This person just ran a red light. How are you gonna work? You wait tables. I don't know. I'm terrified. I count on my tips and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Man, you should go to johnstrausslaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. And it's not business, it's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com Working 
in a barber shop, you may know how to cut hair. It may be somebody's mistress, maybe somebody's heir, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you're gonna have to serve somebody.
disappears out to sea. And of course, Nina Simone with Pirate Jenny from the Brecht Vile play Three Penny Opera, speaking about the anger of working people that they have to, the fact they have to dissemble and act like everything's okay in order to keep their jobs, in order to survive. And before that, we had, of course, Bob Dylan with You Gotta Serve Somebody. The show is Labor and Love. The station is mutinyradio.fm on your computer dial. Or Mutiny Radio for live show. Or mutinyradio.fm slash podcast for archive show. And this is Labor and Love, where we tell you how it is. We tell you that if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, that means someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. We tell you that if you don't have a seat at the table, that is the negotiating table, where you work, you're probably on the menu. And last, we caution you. Never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Okay, our show today features this day in labor history, actually a labor lesson about Ludites. Ludites have been given a bad press uh, as simply as destroyers of machines. But, of course, there's much more to it than that, the Luddite movement in the early 19th century in England. There's an Arizona senator, a lawmaker, who thinks that uh, teachers should expect to work second jobs. They should expect not to have uh, a living wage. Uh, we've got our labor radio feature and our radio labor feature. Then we're going to look at Trump care. Actually, it should be called Trump don't care. What kinds of pre-existing conditions might be disallowed under Trump care? Why are we not surprised that Ivanka Trump... Ivanka Trump's company employs people who make a dollar an hour. We're not surprised about that, are we? Labor school, we're going to talk about what the employer cannot do to you. We talked last, not last week, last month about 
what strikers, what picketers are allowed to do and what they're disallowed to do. Well, the law is, applies to bosses too, to company employees, what they can and cannot do. We're going to talk about May Day, of course. We're going to talk about Cinco de Mayo. This is Labor History Month. We're going to talk about Longshoremen and their historic strike. And we've got our features. Women you wouldn't want to mess with. I have to... uh, I have to to say that I'm I'm just back from a month-long hiatus. Went to Greece with my wife and soulmate, Sylvia Ramirez. Traveled around southern Greece mainly, the, uh, what's called the Peloponnese. And specifically the area the Peloponnese called the Mani, where my relatives on my mother's side uh, originally came from. Grandmother and grandfather moved here in 1907. So it was hard to leave and it was hard to come back. But here we are, coming at you from Mutiny Radio. Let's play a little more music here. I like this one. Bamba Rebelde. Es la Bamba Rebelde. Es la Bamba Rebelde que cantaré porque somos chicanos. Porque somos chicanos de East LA. Ay, arriba y arriba. Ay, arriba y arriba y arriba iré. Yo no creo en fronteras. Yo no creo en fronteras. Yo cruzaré, yo cruzaré, yo cruzaré.
familia y arriba y arriba Ay arriba y arriba y arriba yo no soy marinero Yo no soy
wait. She went away to win. Oh, don't let nobody try to Peace. 
Uh, that set featured as cafeteras eu não sou marinero porque sou chicano I'm a sailor, I'm a chicano as cafeteras followed by Linda Tillery Linda Tillery was uh, has been a long time fixture in the Bay Area music scene her song was Don't Let Anybody Turn You Around. Don't Let Anybody Get Your Spirit Down. That's something we all got to remember in these days with uh, Dr. Death, our minority president, our anti-labor 
president. And we finished with Stevie Wonder, a good part of Stevie Wonder's song, Living Just Enough for the City. And apropos of that, an Arizona senator, a lawmaker, who votes for these people, I don't know. It's an amazing thing. This lawmaker implied that teachers should not expect should not expect to make a living wage. That's a a bad expectation on their part. House Arizona House Majority Leader John Allen, who is of course a Republican, believes that Arizona's teachers should lower their expectations, salary expectations, and look to second jobs in order to supplement their income. Well, isn't that nice? His comments have caused ire among Democratic legislators and public education advocates due to his insinuation that Arizona's teachers are complainers. Now see? Everybody will quote Adam Smith to you and say that the economy works best when everyone works in their own self-interest. But if teachers do that, in other words, they try to make more money, they're complainers. He claims that the idea we are somehow torturing somebody if they have a second job is just ridiculous. They're making it out as if anybody who has a second job is struggling. Hmm, well, I would imply that. I don't know of anybody who would uh, work a second job just to get ahead. In any case, people don't naturally work second jobs unless they absolutely have to. We recall the woman telling President Bush that she was working three jobs, and he said, Isn't that wonderful? That's America. This guy says that's not why many people take a second job, not because they're struggling. They want to increase their lifestyles. Allen said, indicating teachers use this extra income to buy boats and bigger homes. (laughs) Well, I taught for 35 years, y'all. I never knew a teacher who had a boat. Bigger homes, maybe, but he's missing the whole point. He's missing the point that if they had a better wage, they wouldn't have to work a second job. I wonder how he'd like to work a second job. Allen's comments came during Tuesday night's vote on SB 1042. SB 1042 passed the Arizona House and is on the desk of Governor Doug Ducey. It would allow professionals who are knowledgeable in fields other than teaching to obtain Arizona teaching certification. Opponents of the bill are concerned that this does little to address the state's teacher shortage and has potential to make a bad situation worse. Be careful with this. Parenthetical comment. Be careful with this. You get people who are knowledgeable, not long in some field, but who can't teach a class. Several years ago, 
the San Francisco school district hired a lot of very fluent Spanish speakers because there was a dire need for bilingual teachers. A lot of them were burnouts because they didn't know how to teach a class. They didn't know how to get control of a class and work with the students that our teachers work with every day. Confronted with the fact of low starting salaries for public school teachers, Allen said that people choose their careers knowing whether or not they'll need a second job to make ends meet. Oh, yeah? You mean if prices go up all of a sudden? Gas prices go up? The legislature turns around and cuts your salary or limits your salary when inflation goes up? The school district all of a sudden gives you more students to deal with? This man, um, I guess I could say it in a really crude way, but we might say, well, how does... How does the world look from inside your derriere, sir? You don't know anything about teachers' lives or else you wouldn't say those things. Working just enough for the city. Stevie Wonder. This is Labor and Love. And one thing I didn't mention was that we bring you as well as labor history, labor commentary, labor opinion, labor news... We bring you songs of social significance. Here's one from Fleetwood Mac. Not exactly social significance, but maybe the way some of us feel right now. That albatross around your neck get ahead.
Peter Green Albatross. Little Selena. This is Down the street, 
with the roll iron gate rolls. I went home and listened to Jimmy Rogers in my lunch break. Bought five woodbine at the shop on the corner and went straight back to work. At the shop and broke for tea. That's it. I collected from the lady and I cleaned the fan light inside out. I was blowing saxophone on the weekend in a down joint. Number 36.
Van Morrison was the last one we played, and his work song, Cleaning Windows. I guess that's one of those uh, second jobs that the uh, Arizona legislator was talking about. I'd like to see him get out there. Maybe they should cut his salary down so uh, he would need to have a second job in order to buy a house or a boat. I guess maybe in his world that's what you do. You buy a boat. We had Van Morrison with cleaning windows, and before that we honored Selena Quintanilla, simply known as Selena, who was tragically murdered at the age of 23 years old. Her birthday was April, would have been April 16th at this point. Beautiful little love song. And before that we had Albatross, if you got the blues because of the political situation, because Agent Orange, our minority president, is coming after you, buck up, stand up and be counted. If enough of us stand up, we will surround them. Okay, we're going to get on to some labor news now. Labor radio first. The Win Weekend Review, Workers Independent News. Workers Independent News, Weekend Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. 217 House Republicans Thursday voted to take health insurance away from 24 million people. That's how many people the CBO says will lose health insurance if Obamacare is repealed. Not a single House Democrat voted for this. The bill cuts taxes for the rich, eliminates required essential coverages like hospitalization, prescription drugs, mental health care, and maternity care. It cuts health insurance subsidies and hikes out-of-pocket costs while raising premium costs on older people. Progressive Democrats of America's Donna Smith says Medicare for All is much better for us and California can lead the way by passing its Medicare for All bill. Now California and New York got to lead the way. Show the nation how we're going to make this happen. Now is the time for all of us to really say Medicare for All is the only way to solve this problem. Why are 13 U.S. railroad worker unions protesting against the railroads as their labor contract talks remain bogged down in mediation? Because the profitable railroads ignored a union proposal to keep health care and instead demanded $612 million in health care concessions over four years. Peter Kennedy is at the bargaining table with the railroads for the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees Division Union. So in other words, they're asking members to basically give back over $612 million to a railroad, an industry that is an utterly profitable industry. This is about health care, not wealth care. This is about continuing to provide a respectable level of benefits for railroaders and their families. Big May Day rallies for worker and immigrant rights drew many people around the nation on Monday, mostly peaceful. There were scattered arrests of protesters from New York to Los Angeles. Among the arrests, at least 14 protesters in New York City for blocking the entrance of J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo banks in Manhattan, and at least four people were arrested in Oakland for civil disobedience. Javier Valdez of the immigrant rights group Make the Road New York told local TV news the May Day protests give him hope. There is fear and there is anxiety, but what gives me hope and gives me resilience moving forward is that the community is resisting and saying this is not the way that we should operate in the United States, and we got to stop, and we're going to push back. 22,000 minors and their dependents have permanent funding for their 
health care in the 2017 Omnibus Appropriations Bill. United Mine Workers of America President Cecil Roberts says it's tremendous news and means these retired miners and their families will finally have the peace of mind about their future that has eluded them for years. The UMWA says there are 89,000 other retirees who need their pensions and health care preserved as well. RWDSU says workers at Bloomingdale's have ratified their first ever union contract that recognizes workers struggling with diminished wages from online sales. RWDSU President Stuart Applebaum. This contract was important because it recognizes for the first time that workers are struggling with diminished wages from online sales and it does something about it. Workers Independent News provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Okay, now let's turn to... You're listening to WIN, workers in... Let's uh, turn to world news. That's Radio Labor. And their review of world labor conditions and campaigns. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, May 5th, 2017. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, a UN conference refuses to label chrysotile asbestos as a dangerous substance. International Workers' Day and fighting corporate greed. Plus, the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. May 1st was International Workers' Day, a day set aside to remind people about the contribution working people and their unions make to society. I spoke to Sharon Burrow about International Workers' Day. Ms. Burrow is the General Secretary of the International Trade Union Confederation. The ITUC represents national labor centers such as the Trades Union Congress in Ghana and the AFL-CIO in the United States. I asked her first if the rise of right-wing populism is a particular cause for concern for the labor movement. It's a critical issue. We understand the frustrations of working people because the model of the global economy has been built on labour arbitrage. It's actually a model of low wages, insecure, often unsafe work, without the kind of compliance for rights and standards that give people security. And of course, when 75% of the world's people still have little or no social protection, then people are frightened. And when you are fearful enough about yourselves and your family and your capacity to survive, then you become angry. And the loss of trust in our leaders today is growing. So therefore, people are looking for the message, the strong man or woman in the case of France, that looks like they'll give them a promise that they can touch. I'll get your job back from China, says France. We'd be better off if we exclude migrants, says Le Pen. Let's get out of Europe, says uh, the UK. Understandably, these things make sense for people looking for something that's not establishment. However, when we have a world that excludes people, that makes victims of refugees fleeing from either economic or conflict desperation, then what we're really saying 
is that we prop up the corporate greed of both the current economic model and the exclusion of people who are suffering because of circumstances that are not their own fault. That's not the way of the Labor movement. We are inclusive, peace, democratic rights and freedoms. These are at the core of our values. And we will talk to our people. We'll find a way to give them an understanding that organising is at the core of building the power of working people to fight for the democracies that we want. As we look ahead to May Day 2018, are there particular issues or events we should be paying attention to? There's no doubt that this is the year when we want to start to see pay rises. We've had a gutful technical term there, but we've had enough of an economic model that is not working for working people. It's not paying people enough to survive on with dignity, and it's not allowing the collective bargaining capacity to share a fair share of the wealth that working people build. When up to 94% of our workforce of the biggest multinationals are a hidden workforce, and they're exploited every day in often unsafe conditions. And when you see informal work and slavery appearing in our supply chains, we need to rewrite the global rules. But the ITUC and the ETUC have declared 2017 an end to corporate greed, a pay rise for the workers of the world. The world needs a pay rise. End corporate greed is the slogan for May Day. That means women must feature in terms of equal pay. It means young people must actually be treated with respect and the wage theft we see must end. But above all, it means minimum living wages on which everybody can live with dignity within the economic context of their country and the right to bargain collectively. A UN conference has once again refused to label crystal asbestos as a dangerous substance. Radio Labor senior correspondent Seamarie Ainsborough reports. Hundreds of thousands of people will die because a UN conference has refused to list crystal asbestos as a hazardous substance. The conference, which was held in Geneva this week, voted against including asbestos in the list of substances that must be clearly labeled before it can be exported or imported. The list is included in the Rotterdam Convention, which is a multilateral treaty signed by 154 UN states. There was hope that the conference would finally include chrysotile asbestos in the list of dangerous substances, but for the sixth time it has refused. Inclusion on the list must be approved by all the signatories of the treaty. A small minority of countries with commercial interests in the continued use of asbestos voted against adding the substance to the convention's list. They include India, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Russia, Syria, and Zimbabwe. Canada, which was for years a major exporter of asbestos and had been against its inclusion on the list, voted this time to add the substance to the agreement. One of the global unions which has been fighting hard to include chrysotile asbestos in the Rotterdam Convention is Industrial. Industrial represents more than 50 million workers in 140 countries. They are members of unions operating in a wide range of sectors, including mining, energy, and manufacturing. Walter Sanchez, the General Secretary of Industrial, told the media that so long as just one country can exercise a veto over good science and common sense, the Rotterdam Convention is discredited. In a previous interview with Radio Labour, Industrial's Director for Health, Safety and Sustainability, Brian Kohler, 
Describe chrysotile asbestos. Well, chrysotile is a, is a fiber. It's like other asbestos fibers. It's very fine. It's valued for its uh, fire resistance and mechanical strength. But it has the property that it lodges in the lungs and can produce a couple of effects, fibrosis and uh, obstruction of the lungs, which is known as asbestosis, but also cancers such as lung cancers and a particular type of cancer of the lining of the lung called mesothelioma. Now, mesothelioma is a particularly nasty way to die. Uh, you would feel like you were gradually being suffocated, even though you can feel the air around you. You can't breathe it in. And it literally uh, chokes you to death slowly. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the 300 news stories added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to news about the ongoing struggle for independent trade unions in Iran, global labor solidarity with Palestinian prisoners, and the growing split between workers and the African National Congress in South Africa. And, of course, we carried news of May Day celebrations around the globe. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Truck drivers in the United States were threatened with the sack when they struck for better wages. Ferry workers were on a go-slow in Nigeria. A bitter strike over unilateral rollbacks to construction workers' compensation continued in Australia. Workers who provide assistance to the deaf in Canada entered the ninth week of their fight for their first wage increase in many, many years. Indian ambulance workers were off work in an effort to gain a living wage. Oil workers downed tools in Nigeria to press their pay demands. And in the Ukraine, workers occupied a mine to back their demand for investment in their workplaces. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the union-led campaign against sexual harassment in the Australian hospitality sector, renewed organizing efforts in the garment industry in several countries, including Cambodia and Bangladesh, and a campaign for safe staffing levels by the Midwives Union of New Zealand. The health and safety newswire we run in cooperation with Hazards magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the reaction to yet another failure by member states to use the Rotterdam Convention to ban the production and sale of asbestos, the effects on safety of outsourcing in Canada, and an Irish survey that concluded that workers fear repercussions and so don't report workplace hazards to their employers. Currently, Labor Start is running seven online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. And that's it. International labor news you can use. I'm Mark Boulanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Yeah, that was our global solidarity report. And apropos of those uh, those projects to get uh, asbestos declared a dangerous substance, we want to remind you that every week this show is dedicated to those 
Some 2,500 workers around the world who will die of work-related conditions or work-related quote-unquote accidents, work-related hazards. In the United States, that number is 150. 150 of your working class comrades will die of work-related conditions or hazards. Uh, We're still looking for the result of uh, how many millionaires, multimillionaires, and billionaires will die today of work-related causes. Uh, That's a hard statistic to find. Men really having a hard time finding that out. I want to say hello to Solina today. Hope she's listening. And we'll do our call-outs, regular call-outs, later on. Once again, the governments of the world are rattling their sabers. The United States is threatening Korea, North Korea. North Korea is threatening the United States. These are uh, some other of the conditions that were imposed after World War II and never settled. Countries like Vietnam and Korea were divided in half into North and South. Uh, There was a war fought in Korea, which was never settled. There's only an armistice. Uh, That's, what, 50, 60, 70 years old. Look what the war in Vietnam, the partition of Vietnam led to, and the partition of Palestine led to. These are the greatest generations, Tom Brokaw calls them, not finishing their work read a lot and watched a lot about the civil war in Greece, which was a similar situation. Um, When the English came into Greece after the Germans withdrew, which was, by the way, an an agreement that was negotiated between Winston Churchill and the German High Command. A treaty. Uh, When the English came in, instead of Honoring the Greek people, the brave people who had fought against the German occupation, the guerrilla leaders and the guerrilla armies that were in control of four-fifths of the country, they handed control of the country over to those who had collaborated with the Germans. They brokered an agreement where all sides would have to give up their guns. The leftists gave up their guns, the rights didn't. They went around arresting and killing leftists, those people who had fought against the Germans. Ultimately, the United States moved in and aided the right-wing monarchist government. Churchill told his army to treat Greece like a conquered country. Terrible, terrible situation resulted in Greece. A vicious civil war. Ultimately, the right-wingers prevailed. And Greece became a right-wing monarchist government, which 
ultimately morphed into the Colonels in 1967. Get on with that. All over Europe, this happened. The United States, Great Britain, with the collusion of Stalin of Russia, handed control of the country over to those who had collaborated with the Germans. And in Vietnam, to the forces, the French, that had collaborated with the Japanese instead of the leaders of the resistance, such as Ho Chi Minh. The beat goes on, huh? Uh, instead of hunting, hunting down communists or sympathizers of communism or sympathizers of social democracy in the United States after World War II, they should have been hunting down people like the Dulles brothers who were in contact with, with Nazis who um, administered bank accounts for Germans. Prescott Bush, these were people who did business with <clears throat> the German government while the war was going on. But after the war was over, instead of prosecuting them, they went looking for quote-unquote communists to make their lives to make their lives worse. Um, naming names by Victor Navasky, sort of an overview of the whole situation. In my estimation, it's a little too sympathetic to <clears throat> those who turn coat and turned in their friends and the people who, like Richard Nixon, who encouraged them to do that. But check it out, Victor Novosky naming names. So yeah, the governments are shaking their sabers. The United States military government, uh, military budget is huge, billion, six hundred billion dollars. More than half of the total budget of the United States. Who knows, maybe capitalism would have collapsed if it hadn't been for military spending. There are people who say that. Anyway, here's what... Here's what the great Willie Dixon had to say about it. You know, the blues speak of so many things making a kind of variety of the program. It requires a lot of different facts of life that we must know about. And when you think about the various nations of the earth, the various religions of the earth, various nationalities, the various people all over the world. We have been able to make anything that we want to make and do anything we want to do. Have created miracles. But it don't make sense when we can't make peace. 
everything else. Wise men, great men from every nation in the world, all the countries in the world, have all kinds of conventions and festivals. Spend all the money. Suppose you had to spend half as much money on trying to make peace as you have been making war. We wouldn't have to worry about nothing. But it don't make sense. It don't make sense. It don't make sense when you can't make peace.
Lawrence, Massachusetts, 1912. It's a story I got from the oldest living wobbly, Minnie Quarters, a garment worker in New York City. 1912 was the time of the great Lawrence textile strike. The huge mills, the huge looms have been built in Lawrence and Lowell and, and other cities all over New England. And the young women came down from the failing farms of New Hampshire and Vermont and Maine to work in those new giant mills. Or young women from the low countries in Europe or from France came over as contract laborers, good enough to sweat their lives out at the looms, but not good enough to be citizens. Some of those women were dying at the average age of 26 because of the dust in the weave rooms. The average age of 26. Well, they struck. The issues were wages, hours, and conditions, of course. Oh, Joe Ator, the huge organizer, who spoke all the languages of Lawrence. There were about 17 of them. Uh, the people could hardly talk to each other. But Joe Ator stood up in front of the Austin Mill on that stone stoop where I've had a chance to stand myself and gazed out over 20,000 struck workers. And he said in that huge voice, fellow workers, and the workers with their hands in their pockets have more power than the combined power of the bosses, besides which the bosses can't put their hands there. Well, Lawrence. The strike was won. Oh, a hard, hard, bitter strike, though, all through January. There was no way to feed the kids. There was no food. So they found sympathizers all over New England, as far south as New York, and they sent the kids on the train to, to, to wait the strike out. And the mothers and the children were beaten by the militia and by the police on their way to the train station. But they won. And you know, I never had to work underground in Pennsylvania at the age of 12 in a coal mine. My sister never had to work in a, at the age of eight or nine at the looms uh, in, in Lawrence, Massachusetts or anybody else. None of us have had to do those sorts of things. And why? Why do we have that eight hour day? Why do we have those mine safety laws? Why do we have those laws busting the, the sweatshops? Were they benevolent gifts from an enlightened management? No, they were fought for, bled for, died for by people a lot like us. They died not on the battlefield to fight another dumb boss's war. They died on the picket line to give all of us a better future. Well, now there was a young woman carrying a picket sign during that strike. And the sign said, we want bread, yes, but roses too. So that became known as the bread and roses strike. And this is the song that came out of it. Se alerta ese vato, no se vaya al rol Porque va a empezar al rato el piano del cantón Porque va a empezar al rato el marihuana boogie boy
pues a tronarnos las manos, digo yo. Jaina se llama Juana, 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 Juana Pero ya todos los vatos le dicen marihuana Mari, marihuana, cómo te quiero yo Ese buggy me siento volador. Pégale bute esas teclas, ya estoy aviado. Pégale bute esas teclas, que ya estoy Okay, we just heard um, Lalo Guerrero's response. <laughs> If he was alive, I'm sure that would be his response to Jeff Sessions' attempt to recriminalize, not decriminalize, recriminalize uh, marijuana and to use marijuana convictions, which are misdemeanors under the law now, to deport people who uh, use it as a misdemeanor to deport people who are quote-unquote undocumented or who are not full citizens. They might be here legally, but the government now is going to go after people like that for smoking marijuana. One guy even came up with the old stupid idea that Marijuana is a gateway drug. And we have heard uh, that uh, we've heard that argument for so long. And the argument against it, of course, is, well, yeah, so does milk. Milk is a, a drug, a gateway drug, too. It just depends on what you want to choose. Okay, so we had um, Marihuana Boogie with Lalo Guerrero. Before that, we had Utah Phillips on the Lawrence strike, Lawrence, Massachusetts. And um, before that, Willie Dixon 
conscientious objector in uh, World War II, along with Quincy Jones and other famous musicians, with his song, uh, You Can't Make Peace. It don't make sense if you can't make peace. In addition, I got a phone call from Brother Charlie Morgan. We're going to play one of his songs right off the bat here. We don't have much bat left, huh? Okay, first of all, let's talk about Ivanka Trump. Headline on Slate, your news companion, Slatest. Ivanka Trump's clothing line is made in a Chinese factory where workers earn $1 an hour. Why are we not surprised? Donald Trump and his offspring, now that they're in and around the White House, like to say they're champions of the American worker, preferably the coal workers. This sleight of hand from the Trump gene pool comes despite having lived lives over the course of decades relentlessly focused on enriching themselves at the expense of others. Ivanka Trump, self-styled champion of working women, has a fashion line that is manufactured in China at a factory where workers are forced to work beyond the legal limit of allowable overtime in the country for what could be less than the minimum wage. Workers at a factory in China used by the company that makes clothing for Ivana Trump's Fashion Line and other brands work nearly 60 hours a week to earn wages of little more than $62 a week. Boy, we thought those days were over, didn't we? This is where a lot of our clothing comes from, a lot of our manufactured goods. From virtual slavery. This, according to a factory audit released Monday, the Post, Washington Post reports, the factory's 80 workers knit clothes for the contractor, G3 Apparel Group, which has held the exclusive license to make the Ivanka Trump brand's $158 dresses, $79 blouses, and other clothes since 2012. Now, this was, this was not Charlie Kernigan and the uh, International Labor Commission, what his, whatever his group is called. This is the Fair Labor Association, which is an industry watchdog, industry-organized watchdog. They found two dozen violations Workers at the G3 factory were required to work 57 hours a week on a regular basis, though Chinese law sets the limit for overtime at 36 hours per month. Workers in all of the factories exceeded that limit, working up to $82, uh, 82 hours of overtime a month between September 15, 2015 and August 2016. <clears throat> they made between 
1879 and 2,088 yuan a month. Roughly 255 to 283 dollars per month now. Working 57 hours a week times four, let's just say. 228 hours to earn 283. The average manufacturer employee in urban China made twice as much money as the factory's workers. Fewer than a third of the factory's workers were offered legally mandated coverage under China's social insurance benefits, including pensions and medical maternity unemployment and work-related injury insurance. The factory did also, also did not contribute as legally required to a fund designed to help workers afford housing, inspectors said. Workers earn five days of leave a year, although a small fraction of experienced employees were eligible for more. G3 has been the exclusive supplier of Ivanka's clothing line since 2012. Factory pledged to make progress to improve training, access hazard, assess hazards, hire more workers, and reduce overtime demands, but it did not commit to increasing worker pay. So, this is what happens to a communist government <laughs> when it enters the uh, capitalist market and. Uh, Comes just like everybody else, I guess, huh? In this case, it does. These are Chinese workers making Americans like Ivanka Trump rich. And if Steve Bannon said one correct thing, he said that jobs going to China had created a crisis in the American middle class and had created a Chinese middle class while American workers went jobless. Hate to say it, but he was right on the money and Hillary Clinton and her Democrats swung and missed, completely missed the point. Okay, Mr. Trump's Health Care Act see what we got here. One of the biggest criticisms of the new revamped health care bill is that it could weaken protections for those with pre-existing conditions, health conditions patients have had before the date their new health coverage goes into effect. What you need to know, let's see what we got. This is AJC.com. With House Republicans prepared to take a vote Thursday on yet another version of a plan, and 217 of them did vote for it, attention has been especially focused on whether Obama's popular prohibition against denying coverage 
based on pre-existing medical conditions, will remain in place. Republicans from President Trump to lawmakers pushing for the bill insist that it remains intact, just in different form. Democrats and opponents of the bill say that guarantee is gone or greatly weakened. As part of an effort to attract more votes, Republicans have added an amendment that allows states to seek individual waivers from the law. In other words, the federal law will leave those in place, but the states can knock it out. For the Affordable Care Act, insurance companies could consider a person's health status when determining premiums, sometimes making coverage unaffordable or even unavailable if a person was already sick with a problem that it required expensive treatment. The ACA prohibited that in part by requiring everyone to purchase insurance. But that individual mandate was unpopular and Republicans would eliminate that requirement in their proposed health care act. As a replacement, the AHCA initially included a continuous coverage provision that boosted insurance rates by 30% for one year if he or she had a lapse in coverage. The theory is that removing sicker people from the markets and allowing policies with skimpier options would result in lower overall premiums. So, in other words, you'll have the insurance, but you're not supposed to use it. And who was the individual mandate unpopular with? I guess if the law passed, a person generally would not be affected unless they lived in a state that sought a waiver. They would have to purchase insurance in an individual market. Okay, well, let's go back here and see what conditions might not be covered. Here's a partial list of health issues that may or may not be covered under the new health care bill, <clears throat> according to CNN. Just start. This is a partial list. Acne. AIDS, Alzheimer's, anemia, anxiety, sickle cell anemia, asbestos poisoning, bipolar disease, cancer, cerebral palsy, obesity, organ transplants, dialysis, pregnancy, renal failure, sex reassignment, tuberculosis. The list goes on and on. More politics, okay. Look this up here. This is AJC, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, that put up this list. It's not going to be good. And it's time for to get those town meetings, people showing up to town meetings, and yelling and screaming and demanding that their health care 
either be left the same or made better. In California and New York now, there are bills before the legislature to have single-payer or an expanded Medicare for all. That might be one, one situation where California could lead the way. And talking about Luddites, if you look on the Quartz website, a report about the Luddite movement. The Luddite movement were, Luddites were weavers and textile artisans in the early 1800s whose work was being replaced by automation, by machines. And typically we think of Luddites and we laugh at them as people who wanted to wreck machines because they didn't like automation. Uh, similar to the to French workers who would take off their wooden shoes called sabots and throw them into the gears and levers of the machine. Hence the word sabotage. But the truth is that Luddites were the skilled middle-class workers of their time. After centuries on more or less good terms with merchants who sold their goods, their lives were upended by machines replacing them with low-skilled, low-wage laborers in dismal factories. To ease the transition, the Luddites sought to negotiate conditions similar to those underlying capitalist democracies today. Taxes to fund workers' pensions, a minimum wage, and adherence to minimum labor standards. These bargaining attempts were rebuffed by most factory workers. The Luddites then began months of machine-breaking in 1811-1812, smashing the weaving frames and last-ditch effort to bring their new bosses to the table. At the behest of factory owners, the British Parliament declared machine-breaking a capital offense and sent 14,000 troops to the English countryside to put down the uprising. Dozens of Luddites were, elected, were executed or exiled to Australia. The crushed rebellion cleared the way for horrific working conditions of the Industrial Revolution to come. One writer says, the lesson you get from the end of the Luddites is, do the people that are profiting off automation today want to participate in distributing their profits more widely around the population? Or are they going to fight just as hard as they did back then? <laughs> Two guesses. The Luddites. This is the bee, and this is labor and love. Looks like we're about done here. I want to let everybody know that the name of the show is Labor and Love. Please join us next week and every week live, if you can, from 10 to 12 on Saturday morning. Or, if you prefer, mutinyradio.fm, where all of our uh, 
Our shows are archived, and all the shows actually on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny Radio, which is a real community center for the arts, for cutting-edge comedy, video, drama, art, radio, you name it. Come on down to Mutiny Radio. We need your support, and we need your participation. Um, my name is Bill Morgan, A.A.K. The B. Remember the B.B. And remember that if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else or a lot of someone else's worked for a dollar they didn't get. Remember, please, that if you don't have a seat at the negotiating table where you work, you're probably on the menu. And never... But never let anyone into your house, into your heart, who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Okay, call out to Sylvia Ramirez, my soulmate. Had a great time in Greece. Looking forward to returning at some point next year. My daughter Vita, who always makes me want to be a better man and a better dad. Hello to Yemen. Hello to Solina and Jose, Nepo, and the whole family, the whole extended family. Wish you all well. Cynthia, in your new house. And here is international. Goodbye and good work.
please stay tuned now for Flat Black Plastic with Mr. Scott Walker. And uh, we'll be seeing you next week. Insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite. I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. This is Tussle Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station that rule the nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here. I'm giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Do you need an 
awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's Performance Space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> people flap, people. Flat Black Plastic is the show you're listening to on the Mutiny Radio Station. Looking for a city boy Who's looking for a country girl To love and be his toy I love the city light Lights that shine all night I've got to have a city boy To love with all my might I'm just a Country girl Lonely as a morning dove Oh lordy how I need a city boy And city love If I don't find someone to
Halloween! Huki mai ka hele uma, ho ma kau kau, e holo aku! Ali, 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 Ali,